Our text for this morning will be 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 7. We're going to read down through verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says this, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominations abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to man in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer." Would you join with me this morning in a, in a moment of prayer? Father, I thank you for this day and just for the many blessings you've given us and all the things that you've done for us. I ask now, Lord, as we come to time together in your word, that you would remove the distractions, open up our hearts and our minds, that we might see the message that you have for us, see the call that you have for us, and that we might seek to serve you whatever circumstance we might find ourselves in, Lord. So, I ask that you do the work that I cannot do, that you would convict, that you would lead, that you would draw as you see fit, and that you would um, just give me the strength to say what is needed, nothing more, nothing less. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as I'm trying to keep a, a, a sense of what's going on in society and you know, listening to this news report or that news report, reading different articles... I'm getting the sense that things are changing. At first, there was very much a, a, a um, attitude or an environment of fear. And I think that's still the case for some people. But there was this kind of um, attitude of fear. And I see that moving from fear to frustration. You see a lot and hear a lot of people that are frustrated with this current circumstance. And I'm sure there are some who who kind of hang on every word of the media as gospel truth, every stat that is given, they say, see, this is why we have to continue this way. See, it's good that we're um, told to stay at home. Even though those stats have changed several times, I think there are more and more who are listening to those who have been saying the same thing from the beginning. And the frustration is that is is centered on what we're calling this lockdown. It's kind of not a lockdown because we're pretty free to get out and take a walk and and go some places at least. You can't go to the beach. You can't go hiking. Uh, but we're still we still have the freedom to move about. But there's still frustration at, at this stay-at-home order and the closure of businesses and things that are going on. We're frustrated. Frustrated that we feel our freedoms are being infringed on and we're done and we want this to be over with. I think for some that has become the major focus. We do not like this lockdown. And I can hear some of your amens through the phone. <laughs> There's a lot of us kind of feeling that way. But with all that's been going on, it's given us time to think. It's given me time to think and kind of ponder um, to use this time to see what's important, to, to take advantage of the situation and see what we can learn from it. Listen, I'm as frustrated as the next guy about what's going on as we wait for a decision of some politician on whether or not I can go back to normal life. But however, I think this illustrates some very important principles for us. It gives us a vivid illustration of some things that are talked about in Scripture. And it's my prayer to kind of hope that, uh, to make that clear today. The title of the message is Lockdown Lifted. We're facing some things we don't like, for sure. Um, some of us feel trapped. We feel like freedoms have been taken away. But I want you to remember in all of this, even in lockdown, we are free. We are free. 
This current situation doesn't change who we are as a child of God. Even if things get worse, even if things continue to go down a path we don't like, we, beloved, are still free. We are freed. And we are waiting to be freed. I think that perspective is very important. That filter through which we view everything that's going on is important, and we need to set it in our minds, and I hope to explain that and give you some of that this morning. So let's, take, let's start with that first statement I made. We are free. Notice, if you would, verse 1 in the text. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So let's remember again who he's writing to. This letter is written to Christians who are under oppression for their faith. They faced a very real suffering, something we don't really know all that much about. At this time, when Peter is writing this, to believe and to confess Christ was pretty much a death sentence. It was a death sentence. It was putting your life in danger. And in all of that, Peter is writing to remind them, hey, you need to be a witness. He says in chapter uh, 1, we have a living hope, a hope that is brighter and greater than everything in this world. And he writes them in chapter 2 to remember we're strangers here, we're pilgrims on this earth, and we need to live a life that God can be seen in that when they behold your good works, they can glorify God in the day of visitation. Even in that situation, we're to be a witness, to be a brightly shining witness of the hope that we have within our hearts. Now, we're not in the same situation, no, but we are facing hardship. We're facing a, a new challenge that we've never faced before, and we can see how this could turn against those who profess faith. We can maybe see that on the horizon closer than when we thought. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we can see how this could go down a road, maybe even in the future, to to, uh, some things that Scripture talks about and some things that that, um, sometimes we don't want to think about. But in all of this, we're called to be a light certainly we can say society has become increasingly hostile not only to biblical principles but to the very gospel message we live in a world that largely does not care for god they don't want to hear about god they don't want to uh, worship him they don't want to have anything to do with that they want their own way their own uh, religion i guess if you could call it that way so what do we do Well, Peter's going to give some reminders here. And the first thing he does is he starts off by reminding us of Christ. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, he brings to remembrance what Christ has done. Look back in chapter 3 and verse 18. Here's what it says. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He reminds us of the suffering of Christ. And what was that suffering for? He came and he, he took a body just like us and he lived a life just like us. But in the end, he faced a terrible suffering. The crucifixion on the cross and the blasphemy and all that went along with that. Why did he do that? Well, it was so that he might bring us to God. The just who is Christ, suffered for the unjust, which is us. The sinless one became sin for the sinners. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, He loved us so much, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He came and He gave His life in suffering so that we might be saved, that we might be made alive and freed from sin. He reminds us of that. Remember what Christ has done. And then He says this, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Have the same mind. Let this same way of thinking be in you as well. Well, what is this same mind that he is talking about? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 puts it pretty clear. It says, We are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, 
Even though Christ went through all that He did, there was a greater joy than the cross. There was a greater goal than just the suffering. And that was, He knew what that cross would accomplish. That it would purchase salvation for all who believe. That He would be able, through His death on the cross, to bring us to God. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we can be reconciled back to God through Him. And that was a greater joy. The the promise of being glorified again with His Father as He prays in John 17. And Peter tells us you need to have that same mind. That yes, there might be hard times here, but there is a greater joy, a higher calling that waits for us. And that's the same thing he's been saying all along. That If you've seen the, the theme that has run through the past month or so of messages, is that living hope. We have been begotten again by God to a living hope, that promise of heaven, and that He keeps us for that, that someday we will be with Jesus. And it causes us here, even though we might face trials, to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory because we know what's coming. He says, get that in your mind. Let that be the foundation of your mind. In the end of verse 1, he says, For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. He's saying, listen, if you go through these things, you've got the right perspective. If we're willing actually to stand and face ridicule and face suffering, even if it must be so, we're showing by our life that there is something more. Your attitude in this matters. You understand? Are we belly aching and just getting all ticked off like everybody else? Or... Are we standing and being an example as Peter is calling these Christians to? We've ceased from sin. Does that mean we stop sinning? No. We're still sinners saved by grace. But we're just living a different life now, you see? We're not living a life that is chasing sin or in bondage to sin, as we'll see here in just a second. No. We're showing by our witness and our new life that we're living that there is something greater that we understand some things. There are some things that are set in our mind. And just understand, you and I, if we live as a witness, it's going to bring heat. It's going to bring pushback from the world. The truth always does that. The truth always does that. Listen, it's kind of like us who say, enough's enough. I mean, look at the stats. Look at the truth of the numbers. It's time to end this thing. We need to open up and we need to do it now. You express that opinion. You, po- you post something like that on Facebook, just watch it explode with people who don't want to hear it. People get all up in arms and, and they, they get angry at the truth. Amplify that more when you live for God. Some of you have experienced this in your life. When you talk about the truth of God, people don't always accept it. They reject it sometimes or they get um, defensive to it. When we go and proclaim God and we live real Christianity in in front of them, there's going to be pushback. We understand that. We should understand that. And we're willing to endure that. Why? Because we know the freedom that we have been given. We know the living hope that God has given us. We've put that old life behind and we are living now as free. Listen, sin had us under lockdown. Sin had us under lockdown. Now in Christ, we are freed from that. We are free in Him today. Notice verse 2, if you would. That He no longer should live the rest of His time in the flesh, to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. We should no longer live our time here serving the flesh, serving our desires. No, we have a new life. We have been freed to live to the will of God. Sin had us under lockdown, but that was lifted in Christ. We used to live our life in the flesh, just doing whatever we want, serving ourselves, serving our desires thinking we were good and thinking we were just going along life normally, but in reality, we were in bondage to sin. That's the human nature. We are held captive to our sin. Born separated from God, and it's natural for us to worship things other than Him. 
The Bible makes it very clear that we are created to glorify God. We are made in His image to have a relationship with Him. Sin has messed that all up so that our desires are no longer to our Creator. Our desires are to other things. Namely, and number one, ourself. Whatever I want to do, whatever fulfills my desires. And we think we're free in that, but in reality, we were under lockdown. Held in bondage, held captive by sin, and separated from God. And then somebody told us the Gospel. Somebody spoke what this Bible says, or maybe somebody read the Bible to us. And in our darkness... The light of the gospel shone, and we were shown some things, weren't we? We were shown our sinful condition. We were shown how far we were from God. And the Bible also told us how we could be freed from it. There was a point, anyone who knows Christ as Savior, there was a point in time as the gospel was was preached to us or shared with us that we we realized we were held captive by sin. That I was guilty because of the things that I had done and the things that I was doing and the things that I couldn't change. And that I needed to be freed. Some of you might be hearing this and say, no, that's not the case. You don't think so? You don't think that's the case for every human being? You don't think, you think sin is a gentle master? You're wrong. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, there was a purpose for us and we've come short because of sin. In John chapter 8, Jesus says this, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. If we've all sinned and we all commit sin, we are servants of that sin. Don't think so? Just try to lie. And you have to cover it up, right? You have to keep lying to cover up the lie unless you fess up to the truth. You become a servant to that sin. Now just think of all the other sins that can take you into slavery. There are many people held captive by things like lying, things like stealing, things like pornography, things of these that have a mastery over us. Whosoever commits committeth sin as a servant of sin. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, just doing what did we want. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He says all of us had that. And all means all. It's not a special group of people. It's each and every one of us. You, me, everyone listening to this. Even if, you are th- even if you think you are good, you are following the desires of your flesh and of your mind and not God. Second Peter chapter 2 says this, For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought in bondage. Sin overcomes us. We try to stop, but we can't because we have a sinful nature. You lie when you don't want to lie. You covet when you don't want to covet. We use the name of the Lord in vain. We worship other things. Why? Because we are overcome. We are a bondage to our sin. We choose to do what is wrong. Romans 6 says this, Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves, choose, who ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You see, when we choose to sin, we become slaves of sin. But God be thanked, he goes on to write, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from heart that form of doctrine which is delivered to you. Being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. Make no mistake, we were in sin, locked down in it, locked down to it. The devil, as it were, stood at the door of our heart. Our own nature, as it were, stood at the door of our heart keeping us captive, keeping us separated from God and imprisoned to our own sin. As it does to so many in the world. Listen, there are people you know. There are people you love, people you work with, people in your family. The list could go on and on. They are under lockdown spiritually. 
They are held captive by their own sin, in bondage to it. And it is working its will in them. Look at verse 3, if you would. For the time past of our life may have sufficed us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. What is this will of the Gentiles? It's the will of the world. The word Gentiles is a representation of the world. Okay, so what is the will of the world? It's the will of self. Just think about it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's the will of the world. That's the attitude of the world, right? You've got your truth. You've got your God. That's fine. I'm going to do what I want to do. My truth is supreme. Which has always baffled me. What if my truth is to go and slap you upside the head? Does my truth then become true and yours not? I I don't understand. It's a flawed way of thinking. But that's what people think, right? I'm going to do what I want to do. That's the will of self. And it works its way out in things that are evident. Notice the list. We walked or lived in lasciviousness. That's sexual immorality, perverseness. Lived in lusts. That word simply is desires. And we kind of put that in the same category as lasciviousness, like a, a sexually immoral lust. But it just means desires. People serve their own desires. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that could be in hundreds of different areas. But in the end, the the base thing is not caring about anybody else, not caring about what the Word says. It's what I want to do. Serving, walking in our own lusts. Excess of wine as drunkenness, revelings, banquetings, partying, abominable idolatries, serving other things other than God, namely serving self above God. There is an attitude in the world that I am God. I do what <coughs> I do what I want and nobody else tells me what to do. Kind of sounds like society today, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like somebody describing what they did over the weekend. You ever ask that question and immediately regret it? Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Blah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Too much information. I don't want to know all that stuff. And it, the story could go down this list in verse 3 pretty often. And they think nothing of it. They think it's normal. We know it's bondage to sin. We know it's bondage to sin. And by the way, do you think this whole COVID-19 stuff has stopped it? Do you think it's made people better? Do you think it's caused them to stop and think about God? Well, some, yes. I think so. I think there are people who are thinking about God, or at least spiritual things, in a way that they haven't before. But most, I'm going to say probably not. Most are probably trying to fill that void that the job left that they had, they don't have anymore. Or maybe the relationships that now they see all the flaws in, or whatever it is. They're they're trying to numb the fear that has taken over. They haven't been freed by this lockdown. Not only are are they in lockdown physically, but spiritually as well. (laughs) No, it, it hasn't improved things, not by a long shot. Listen to this. A study done by Nielsen that used numbers from the third week of March. So that's well over a month ago. The third week of March, here's what it stated at the beginning of this. Alcohol sales in person went up 55%. Liquor and spirits sales went up 75%. Beer by 42%. Wine by 66%. Ready-to-drink cocktails by 106%. Online sales of alcohol went up 243%. During this period, legal weed sales spiked 60%. Illinois' dispensary selling $36 million worth of it in March alone. Not to mention what Zoom is being used for. No, this has not stayed the sinful human nature. It has not made things better. In fact, it can't stop it. Why? Because we as humans are captive to sin, held in bondage to it, following the will of the world. Locked down to serving self and selfish desires. And listen, there are people all around you in bondage to sin. Empty. Empty. The drinks don't work. The joints don't work. The parties don't work. They still need more because nothing fills that void. They cannot 
free themselves. Hey, but we know who can free them, right? It's Christ. Christ brings us freedom. We have been freed from sin. We have been freed from its captivity. There's a song that, say, that says, Amazing grace, the chains are gone because of the salvation that He alone can provide. Do you see that in the verses? We've been freed from serving the will of God, uh, excuse me, the will of the flesh to the will of God. And back in chapter 3, it says we can be made alive by Christ. Brought to God, reconciled back to Him. We know this living hope that He has given. Eternal life. Forgiveness of sins. Freedom from guilt and freedom from fear and freedom from emptiness. Life that He gives us. And you know what, my beloved friend? Life that He can give you if you don't know Him. So we ought to be very vocal about this freedom. I'm in lockdown. I'm told to stay at home, but let me tell you 100%, I am free. Free from sin. Free from its captivity in Christ. And so we try to tell them, but listen, not everybody listens, right? Verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Listen, I know some of your testimonies and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. Kind of sound like Trump right there. You have amazing testimonies, right? Saved out of a life like that. Maybe you used to live that way. Or maybe you've just started speaking up about Christ when you didn't before. Whatever the case may be, now we stand out like a sore thumb in the world. Hey, man, let's go grab a drink. Or, hey, let's go to this party. Let's fill in the blank. And you say, no, I don't do that anymore. What a good testimony, by the way. What a good testimony. (laughs) To say, no, I don't. Not, oh, I grab a glass of wine with my family at dinner. Yeah, I drink sometimes. No, to say, I don't do that anymore. I was saved out of it. Well, that's going to turn some heads. That's going to make some people feel guilty for what they're doing. They'll say, well, why not? Everybody else is doing it. Why aren't you? Or what's wrong with you? And you think you're better and you're just, oh, they'll go on and on and, and say evil things about us. But we can stand and say, no, I am free from all of that. I don't have to do that. I'm free to live for God, which is far better than anything in this world. I don't need a drink to get through this. I don't need a joint to get through this. I don't need anything else to get through this. I have the peace of God in my heart. That living hope to know that I have been forgiven of sin. I have the Holy Spirit there with me. I have the promise of heaven. And that's enough. And you know what? Everyone I know, everyone you know can have that same hope. And you pray they listen. You keep speaking and you keep praying, keep witnessing that they listen, that they see it in you. Don't stop because you get some pushback. No, you keep witnessing. You keep praying for them. And you let God do the work that only He can do. I can't save you. I can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. You can't convict their heart. That's God's work. But what you can do is plant the seed, not only by your word, but by your life. Yeah, they might think it's strange. We're not doing everything else that the world's doing. But hey, you be a bright, shining light of that hope that's within you. Because we understand we've been freed from some things. Verse 5, Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? They'll give account. There are some who may never understand. There may be some who prefer to stay in their prison. Unwilling, and this is probably the most common thing, unwilling to admit that they're a sinner and that they're wrong and they're guilty. That's probably the hardest thing to overcome when it comes to being saved. To admit, I'm guilty, I'm a sinner, I need salvation. You cannot change that. I can't change that. That's between them and God. They may never stop speaking evil. They may never stop being hostile to it. In the end, they have to give an account for God, who is the judge of the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. But what I think is that should move us to witness more, shouldn't it? To know what waits for those who reject Him. 
We know what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death, and that's eternal judgment and separation from God. So we ought to tell them with all of our energy how they can be freed in Christ. Because there's a coming a day when we also must answer. All of us are going to give an account to God. You hear that? We will give an account to God for how we've lived here in this life. And let me just stop and ask this. For sinner and Christian alike, because you know what? We can backslide too. Is, there, is, is some of what we've talked about this morning true of your life? Are you in bondage to some things this morning? Is your life showing a pattern of lasciviousness or sexual immorality or following your own desires or drunkenness or just going out and having a good time or worshiping other things greater than God? You will give an account to Him. You will stand before Him and give an answer for all that we've done. And if you've lived life for yourself in bondage to sin and selfish desires, if you have rejected God and Jesus as Savior, you will answer for that eternally. Eternally. But I want you to know this. You can be free this morning. You can be free and you can stand and give a righteous account to God. Look at verse 6, please. For, for this cause was the gospel preached to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Listen very closely. The gospel is for dead people. Not those who have passed from this life. No, I'm talking about those who are dead in sin. The gospel is for dead people. I don't, I don't stand up here week after week and preach the gospel for the express benefit of the church. Now, yes, don't get me wrong, we love to hear it. And I love to tell it. And we say amen and our hearts just rise in praise and we are eternally thankful and grateful for all that God has done for us. And we look back and we say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. We love to remember, but every time I stand up here and I preach Jesus crucified, it's for the dead, the one who is dead in trespasses and sins, the one who is separated from God, the one who is held in bondage by sin. Listen, the gospel is for those who are separated from sin, those who don't know Him as Savior. It's for everyone in the world. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The gospel is for those all people. I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, the gospel is for you. The gospel is for alcoholics, for prostitutes, for drug addicts, for politicians, left-wing liberals and right-wing radicals, those who cannot figure out their own gender, and those who think they have it all figured out, those who hate God and those who think they love Him, those who are dead in sin and they know it, and those who don't know it and don't want to know it, doesn't matter. The gospel is for you. Jesus died to save you. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, And you hath he quickened, you are made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The gospel brings life to us as it tells us that Christ has given his life for ours. Where in time past, he goes on, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God... Do you understand? God loved the world so much He has reached down to us in our sinful condition and provided the way that we might be saved. God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. We don't deserve the love of God. We don't deserve the grace of God. But God has had mercy upon us to provide a way that we can be forgiven, that we can be reconciled. Even when we were dead in sins, the Bible says, He hath made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, my friend, Christ can set you free this morning. He can set you free from sin. He can bust open the doors of that prison, remove the chains of sin, and set you free and give you eternal life. That living hope that burns within us no matter the circumstance. 
Jesus says this in John chapter 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that hath sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death to life. That is what Christ offers us. The question is, do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? It's not simply just believing that He existed. No, it's believing that He is. He's the one. He's the Savior. He is Lord. He is the sacrifice for your own sin, that He took your place on the cross, and that He is the one that can forgive you and give you eternal life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you trust Him? Oh, your lockdown can be lifted. You can be freed from sin because of Christ if you would simply believe and trust Him. I pray that you would. I pray that you would. Yes, there are so many around us in bondage to sin. And they need the freedom that can only come from Christ. We know that freedom. Are we living as an example of it? In speech and in action. Because we know the peace we have. We are at peace because of this freedom. It's not something that man can touch. They could tell me to stay at home for the rest of my life. You know what? It's not going to touch that freedom I have in Christ. It's not going to touch the peace that I have because of that. Nothing can touch that. Even if we are called to suffer for our faith, our mind and our heart are stayed on Him. We are under lockdown this morning, but we are free. Is that true of you this morning? Now, Peter turns a corner here in his writing in verse 7. This is where I want to finish up. It kind of seems abrupt, like, whoa, whoa, why are you going this way? But I think it fits perfectly if you consider it. And this is a second concept that's been in my mind over these past few weeks. And maybe it's a gut check for us, a heart check. I hope again to make that clear. So not only are we free... The lockdown of sin has been lifted. But, beloved, we are waiting to be freed. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. The end of all things is at hand. What is he talking about? He's talking about the return of Christ. When this is all finally over, And Christ comes back to take us home. And He reigns as King. And there's no more governments of men. There's no more flawed politicians telling us what to do. He is King. And the promise is that we rule and we reign with Him. And we will be with Him forever. My question to you this morning is, are you waiting for that? Are you longing for that? Does that have any bearing in the future? Or is your immediate focus, I just want things to open up again and I want to go back to normal. Listen, what what Peter talks about here is the living hope that we have been born again to. It is the very hope that God is keeping us by faith to. It is the reason we have joy unspeakable that is full of glory because there is coming a day when we will finally be with Christ. He will return and take us to be with Him forever just like He promised. I go to prepare a place for you and I come again to receive you to Myself. That where I am there ye may be also and be with Me forever. He promised that in John chapter 14. Have you considered that? Have you thought about that? Has that been in your mind? The more that you think about that and and understand what that means... It starts to make this world feel less like home. Listen, as much as we love life, and I don't think that's wrong. We we, we love our families. We love living and, and seeing all the blessings of God. We understand that those are just a taste of heaven. Just a taste. Just a glimpse into what waits. 
And that all the beauty we see here in this world will be amplified on a whole nother level. All the relationships we have in our families and the love that we share is going to be elevated to another level. All the joy and the happiness we felt here is going to be elevated to a whole other level. The, The closeness with God and the peace that we have in His presence will fully and finally be fulfilled when we are with Him forever. And beloved, isn't there a part of you that wants that more than anything? that begins to feel a little trapped in this world? Listen, these Christians here that would receive this letter could look around and say, man, I'm awful tired of all of this. Yes, I'm living to be a witness, but I'm just longing for the day when it's over. In fact, any Christian of any age could say the same, including us. Don't you feel like you're on lockdown in this world? Not to sin, no. Not to judgment. We're freed from that. I just mean we're waiting to be with Him. Waiting to shed this failing, faltering body and the temptations that come at us and the times we trip up. I'm I'm waiting to be done with that and to be with Him. There's a longing in my heart. I grow tired of this world and its disappointments. I grow tired of the sin that is so prevalent everywhere. Frustrated with man's schemes against God. And sometimes I just feel trapped, don't you? Think of how we feel right now. We're frustrated. We're longing for the day when we're told, which we don't like, when we're told we can go back to life. We want that day to come and we want it to come quickly. Beloved, I believe that's how we ought to feel about His return. Longing for that day, just simply to be free from the world and be with Him forevermore. Perhaps it's a little easier to get a grasp on that when things are hard, when things are difficult like they have been for the past few weeks. seems to be when things get good, we forget about it and we shouldn't. There should be a longing within our hearts for home. Watching for it, waiting for it. I want you to look in Romans chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn over there. Just a few verses in closing. Something Paul writes here that really illustrates it. And uh, something that should be in our own hearts. I think it is in our own hearts. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's not, it's not worthy. It's not even on the same level. Hard times here on earth, the glory far surpasses it. The joy and the peace far surpasses anything, anything that we can go through here. It's not even worthy to be compared. Verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature or the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of Him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Think of it this way. This earth has been placed on lockdown, if you would, subjected to the curse of sin. And there is a a picture of it straining against it, wanting to be done with it as well. Should not that be true in our own hearts? Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, which is the redemption of our body. There's a longing for it just to all be over, for sin and Satan to finally be defeated and to enjoy perfect peace and, and glory and joy with Him forevermore. There's a straining in our hearts, a, a wanting to be done with that. I think that's a right attitude. I want to get free of this world. We're so eager to hear that things are going to be opening up again. We ought to be more eager for the sky to split and the Lord to return and take us home where we will be with Him forever. And Peter says, be clear-headed about that. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch. Be clear-headed. Don't get so tripped up on things here. This is not our final existence. I want our economy to be restarted and all that goes with that. I want you who have lost jobs to go back to work. 
I want you to be protected from this virus. But in the end, that's not who we are. That's not our ultimate thing that we're waiting for. We're waiting for Christ. What if America continues to crash and burn? What if a whole lot of things? That's not my living hope. My living hope is to be with Christ. I am waiting to be freed from all that when Jesus comes from me. And we are to be watching and praying to that end. It is as John says in the end of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus. I think we need that perspective. I, I think we need both of these perspectives. You, you talk about a change. When you, you think on these two concepts we discussed this morning, it's going to change your whole outlook on a lot of things. To, to, to understand and consider that people are in lockdown to their sins and they need to be freed. Do we think about that? Do we consider that for people in our lives? They are in bondage to sin. They need to be freed. And we know who can free and We know that it's Christ. Do we tell them? Regardless if, if it causes us hardship or heartache or whatever, do we tell them? And even if it brings suffering and hostile attitudes and rejection or hardship, it is worth it all if a seed is planted and they come to faith. Listen, I've seen people in your lives who you've witnessed to. I've seen people in my life who I've witnessed to. At first were hard to the gospel of God. But we kept praying and we kept witnessing. And you know what happened? It broke through. The Lord convicted their heart. And I can see seeds being planted. I've seen some come to faith. And I can see that in the future for some. So even if there's rejection, we keep telling them. Because they need to be freed from sin. We know that we are free from sin. And they need that same hope. At the same time, we are watching and waiting for it all to be over. When there will be a time when there is no more sorrow, no more failing, no more pain. When we are fully and finally freed. And our hope is realized. What joy and peace that can build in our hearts and what a solid foundation it can give under our feet. What strength to our minds. Arm yourselves with this same mind. That's what He told you, right? There is a greater joy. There is a higher calling than just getting back to life as we knew it. We are freed from sin. We are waiting for heaven. And we know that everyone in our life needs this same hope. That should be our pattern of thinking. How can I share Christ in this? How can I tell others of this living hope? Perhaps that's what I want to leave with you this morning. A perspective that will strengthen your mind. This will soon be over. It'll be over. And things will get back going and we'll be back to our routines. One of the members told me as I was talking to him on the phone that human nature is has a tendency to forget the bad things and just move on. And I think that's what's going to happen. But I don't want you to forget the lessons that we can learn. Some things that have been illustrated for us in a vivid way. People are in bondage to sin. They are under lockdown and they need freedom that can only come from Christ. Don't forget that. Don't forget that when you're back busy with your job and your schedules. There's people in your life People in my life, they're under lockdown to sin and they need freedom. And at the same time, don't forget, we're waiting to go home. We're waiting to go home. Don't get distracted from that when you feel the joy of being able to go back to work or get busy again. No. In the end, that's not our final hope. Our hope is in heaven. And we ought to feel a bit constrained in this world, ready to... to, to Loose those restraints and be with Christ once again. So as you go through this next week, you look around and you listen to people in your life. And you keep these things in mind. And then take the opportunities that God has set before you. Walk through those open doors so that we can be a light. And let me finish with this. If you're listening to this, or you come across this, whether it's the video or the audio recording, and you know in your heart that you're still in bondage to sin, that you're guilty, 
you served other things other than God and you are not right with Him, I want you to know you can be freed from it all. You can be forgiven of whatever you've done. That comes in Christ. And my prayer is that you would trust Him, that you would place your faith in Him, that He is the one who can forgive you, that He gave His life for you on that cross of Calvary, shed His precious blood as a covering, as an atonement for your sins, and all He asks is that you believe in Him. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. It's just placing your faith in Him. I can't tell you how to do that. I can't give you a prayer, nor will I. It's something that happens in your own heart as you yield to Him, as you bow before Him, as you trust Him, as you ask Him, Lord, forgive me, Lord, save me. And I would pray, even as we close in prayer, that you in your own heart would pray and ask Him for forgiveness. Ask Him to take away your sins. Ask Him to save you and set you free. And your lockdown can be lifted. And you know what? Then you can live in hope that someday we'll be free from all of this and we will spend an eternity forever and ever in perfect peace and perfect joy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day, for all that you've given us, all that you've blessed us with, Lord. I thank you for your Son, who you have sent to be the sacrifice for our sins, Lord, that we can be forgiven, we can have eternal life as we place our faith in him. Lord, and if there is someone who is listening that has not done that, Lord, I pray that you would draw them by your Spirit, that you would show them their sin, and show them Christ on the cross and that they would turn to you in faith before it's everlasting too late. Lord, and those of us who know you and are serving you, Lord, help that joy to grow within us. The promise of someday being with you forever, Lord. And help us now in this situation and the, the things that are going on. You see it all. You know it all. You know the frustrations or maybe the fears that are in our hearts, Lord, and that you would help us in all of that to stand strong in the foundation you have given us and to seek to be a light in that, Lord. I ask your blessings on each one that hears this and that you would go with us. Keep us till the day that we come back together, Lord, and the day that we meet with you. I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.